You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And the best sports talk. Southern New England Sports Original. 103.7 WEEI. Always live on the free Odyssey app. Now it's time for Cordishi and Coit. Call the show at 401-737-1287. Southern New England Sports Original, 1037 WEI. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Cordishi and Coit on Southern New England Sports Original, 1037 WEI. My name is Scott Cordishi. Nick Coit from ABC6 sitting across the desk and Joey P up in our Worcester studios. Great to be back, gents. How are you? French vanilla back yeah. in the mix here. Riviera Red. Yeah. Returning from overseas. How, how, it? how did it go without me? I'm sure Kitchen and, and Dondero held down the fort. Yeah, you? it was good. All it was right. good to good to visit with those guys. Uh, good to go up and see Joe in the uh, in the Love Shack up there in Worcester. That's right, the Love Shack. Joey P probably didn't miss me at all, did you, Joe? It's great having you back, Scotty. <laughs> Holy cow! Uh, it's good to be back. It was a it was a fun vacation yep. uh, slash working vacation. It was a business vacation, yeah. but it, it was uh, it was fun seeing a new part of the world. I had never been to France before. Um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. It was a lot of work. I mean, I, sure, I can kind of fill you in on some of the stuff that that we did over there. But uh, it was it was neat. Have you been to Europe before? I haven't. No, you haven't. No, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I I don't think I'll start with it, but at some point I want to share with you some of my likes and dislikes of right. uh, of France slash Europe, having been to Spain four years ago with a team and stuff like that. So maybe we'll do that a little bit later on in the okay. show. Okay. Yeah, sounds good to me. All right. So um, I don't even know what our jumping off point should be. Should it be the Patriots? We're one week away from the season getting underway. The Red Sox, they got hammered by the Royals of all teams in Kansas City last night. Uh, I think uh, not that I really held out high hopes that they were going to rally from this wild card deficit, but now they're done. I mean, six and a half out with, what, 27 Seven games to, to play? It's not going to happen. It just isn't. This team is uh, – I don't want to say they've folded their tent, but it doesn't look good right now. Last night was a fold-your tent night. Yeah. 13-2 to two against the second-worst team in the big leagues. Yeah. That's a fold-your tent night. Yeah. James Paxton's lost it. He had it for a while. He's yep. lost it. Yep. Should have um, traded him. Should have traded something him. for him. Yep. Probably should have traded so, him. So see, Heim middled it at the trading deadline. That's the mistake he made. You know, he they were in it, it and he, he really should have added, but he didn't add. And if you're not going to add, why not get something then for these guys like a Paxton, right? And set yourself up for a better future. Instead, he tried to middle it, and it didn't work. Well, you know, and we've we've praised some of the things that he's done with the pitching staff. The back end of the bullpen, I think, was has been pretty good all season. Yep. Um, but, you know, to get to the back end of the bullpen, you have to have quality starting pitching. And what's really hurt them the past two weeks, ever since the Yankee series, 
has been their starting pitching. Yeah. Their guys have just not been going long enough in games, and it, it's caught up to them. And when you're playing at one point before Thursday, they played 16 days straight, you have to have guys going deeper into games. You have to have the arms, um, you know, and that's why the whole thing against the Astros with that poor Bear Claw kid happened. Um, and, and I, people after that game were upset. I was upset watching that because I've never, ever seen a Red Sox team this late in the season basically forfeit a game in the middle of a pennant race. That's what it looked like. They forfeit yeah. Yeah. a game. Yep. Yeah which is sad. That's sad that we've gotten to that do point. Do you blame any of that on Cora? Like for I managing do. it that way? Yeah, I, mean, I but, do. But, you know, in defense of him, he said, you know, some of these guys are toast and he didn't want to risk injury to them. You know what I mean? Like, I, Suck it up. I, I, I don't know what to believe. Here, Here's what I will say. Somebody, I heard somebody say this within the last couple of weeks, and I haven't done the research myself to confirm whether or not this is true, but I'm wondering if there isn't something to it. And that is the, 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 the Tampa Bay Rays way. If you're wondering why they've never won a world championship, they're always competitive during the regular season. It's this opener garbage and the way they handle pitching doesn't work because by the end of the season, their pitchers, both starters and bullpen, are toast. Yeah. Now, again, I'd have to go back and do the research to see, are, you know, are their pitchers toast at the end of the season? Are their numbers inflated in September and then when they get to the postseason in October? I don't know the answer to that, but it got me to thinking – yeah, may, maybe the Red Sox need to consider going back to building a team the traditional way. You need some horses in the starting rotation that can give you five to seven innings per start, and then you hand it off to the bullpen. Now, when you get to the playoffs, it can be a different story, right? And we've seen Core do a great job of managing that, right? You yeah. don't let your starters get into trouble. You're not married to a starter going five, six, seven, eight innings. In the postseason, the first sign of trouble, you can pull the plug because, you know, there's no tomorrow type. So you can manage it differently in the playoffs. But the way this year has gone, um, it, it's unfortunate. And, and you wonder what the future is for the Red Sox. We talk about, oh, we've seen some good young talent. And, you know, Himes built the farm system up. But there is a clear disconnect between he and Alex Cora, a clear disconnect. And it yeah. makes you wonder what's going to happen this offseason. Who's going to go? Is Heim going to go? Is Core going to go? Yep. Is, are both? Are neither? I, I don't know. It's, it'll be a very intriguing offseason for the Boston Red Sox, but there's got to be some type of shakeup, and what that is, I, I don't know. Uh, my early prediction, I, I just I think this is it for Cora. I do. And Do you think he walks away, or do you think he gets fired? Um, <laughs> it might be mutual, Scott. Like it, it might be one of those both sides look at it and say, this is probably best for us yeah. because – Obviously, Cora is frustrated with the way things are done. Um, I think it was – if it wasn't evident before he did this, after he put on those underdog T-shirts after the trade deadline in the in the clubhouse doing post-game interviews with the old cartoon on it, it's like, okay, he's sending a message. He wouldn't do that to Dombrowski. Yeah. He's doing that because the guy called this team underdogs at the trade deadline right. because he didn't do anything. Right. And so – you know, I, I I think he's been frustrated, but this is the way they do things now. I don't think he likes managing, you know, this sort of team or this sort of philosophy. Um, it wasn't a guy that Heim Bloom, quote-unquote, hired. This is the guy that, you know, management had, you know, fell in love with. Um, so I, what's scary to me, though, is that, like, you know, a team like Philadelphia, I, I think would look at Cora and scoop him. Right up. Yep. And put him right back with Dombrowski, and I think he'd actually be a really good manager down there and whatnot. Um, 
you know, and and I think if they do that, which I, I predict they will, uh, that means that Bloom's probably going to stay. Because I think Bloom, say what you want about the job that he's doing, this is what management wants, Scott. I always, I just keep going back. To is it real? Is it really? No. So uh, from a cost saving standpoint, yeah, I get it. But look at the apathy now surrounding this team. It is so easy to get tickets to Red Sox games at Fenway Park. It's not a coincidence that this year when they've played teams like the Astros and the Dodgers and the Braves, Fenway was overrun with fans from the other team because tickets are easily available. Um, I I saw one of my Facebook friends post maybe a few days ago. He's like, how about this? Like, I've gone to, like, two or three Red Sox games this year, and they're reaching out to me to see if I want to buy season tickets. That tells me right now they're hurting, that there is not a lot of interest in their franchise from the consumers, the fans of the Red Sox here in New England. If they're out, you know, trying to solicit for season tickets from guys that have never bought them before, that tells me that they're hurting up there. And and are they okay with that? If they are, then fine. Maybe they're making enough money with Nesson and all the advertising at Fenway and all the other bull crap. But I don't know. That's this isn't a good sign. If if I'm John Henry and Red Sox ownership, I hope that they see the numbers hurting because it will change their tune. Um, because I, from my perspective, like anytime I've been to Fenway this year and I've seen you know the stands full, it's like you said, it's other teams' fans invading Fenway Park and taking over. Whether it was the Braves when they came into town, the Dodgers weekend, I was there for the Blue Jays weekend. It was half Blue Jays fans. That's the the problem is if they're filling the ballpark and they're not seeing it on the underline, then guess what? They don't care anymore. Sorry, that John Henry does not care anymore. He doesn't. This is part of his portfolio, Scott. It's part of his portfolio. It's not 20 years ago when they owned this team and they were hyper-focused on breaking the curse yeah. and winning World Series with this team. It's not. And that was signaled by the way that Bloom does business, their change in philosophy, and now the Red Sox are just part of what they do. They've got the Penguins they need to worry about, too. They've got Liverpool that they need to worry about, too. All of those things. And so the Red Sox are just part of the business. And I think they're treating them as such. And I think it's sad. I think it's. I think fans are disgusted with it. Um, Red Sox fans, clearly, as you just mentioned, with season tickets and whatnot. So I, I hope they see it on the underline. Like I, can't, I, I can't even listen to the interviews on this station with guys like Heim Bloom and Sam Kennedy anymore. It's like it just rings hollow for me. Oh, like, Scott. I, I feel I, like I there needs to be pressure put on by both the fans and media that cover the team then. If this is the way it's going to be, put pressure on ownership to sell this team. I know. I, well, I think that start. I think there, is, there are rumblings and whispers. I think people are saying it. I, I think – Sam Kennedy is a good man. He's a class yes, guy. Yes, he is. I've dealt with him yes, personally. he is. He needs to stop doing interviews. He yeah. needs to stop. Yeah. He needs to stop, Scott, because I feel like every time he does it, he's trying to sell us on something or positivity or whatnot. Sam, we're not positive about Kyle Baraclaw giving up 11 hits and 10 runs against the Houston Astros and basically the team forfeiting in the middle of a pennant race. Yeah. We're not positive about that. Don't spin it. We don't care. Yep. I don't want to hear the spin. Because people are smart around here. Yep. We're smart. Red Sox fans are smart. They don't buy into the BS. You can't slip things through them. We we know baseball around here. Uh, there's I'm, one thing in this region we know, it's baseball. And it's sad because, I, I, as I've said to you before on this show, I've st- I started to develop a little apathy toward this team where, you know, where back in the early 2000s and middle 2000s, I was – 
like I couldn't miss a Red Sox game. If it was on, I had to be in front of my TV. I had to know the score. I had to watch the game. I had to see what was happening. And it hasn't been that way the past couple of years. Yet this team started to get a little interesting to me. Maybe early, midway through the season. I'm like, okay, I enjoy watching this team again. And they've kind of ripped that away from me. And, and, you know, I guess it started with Heim's inactivity at the trading deadline and then their subsequent play since that point in time. Um, I'm back to being apathetic about the Boston Red Sox. And I'm I'm a member of their core fan base. Me too. So Me too. Uh, And I I hate it because you're right. At one point it it was interesting. And I I do like some of the guys, you know, that they brought in this year. Like I I think I would love – you know, if like Justin Turner is an interesting guy to me, I think he's a great clubhouse guy, yep. seasoned vet. Like I, I like watching him play. Me I like too. watching him hit. I just, I, he gives a great vibe to me. Um, you know, he's a great. Obviously, he was a beloved player in L.A., but it's been cool to have him on this team this year. Yep. I just wish that they did more for a guy like that. That's the thing that I can't get yeah. over with the trade deadline, is that if you're gonna go in a direction of prospects and young players and sell us and all that, then why did you sign 38-year-old Justin Turner? Why did you sign 30-something-year-old Chris Martin? Why did you sign some 30-something-year-old Kenley Jansen if you weren't going to co- try to compete this year? Because at the t- trade deadline, they didn't show that they were trying to compete. Right. Luis Urias, I'm sorry, is not trying to compete. Right. It's filling second base. That's what it is, and, and it's – I just shake my head. Out. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> to me, a couple of more things to add to that, too. Like, I'll be honest with you. Like, since he was acquired in part of the Mookie Betts deal, I've always liked and admired Alex Verdugo, and I kind of felt like there was always a spot or a role for him on this team. I just thought he had that, like, dirt dog mentality. He was a scrapper. He was a gamer. He was a grinder. He was a clutch hitter. Early in the season, he's hitting walk-off game winners, whether they're base hits, home runs, whatever it may be. And I'm like, you know, there's a spot on this team for Alex Verdugo. And then things went sour with him midway through the season, you know, showing up late and, you know, getting benched. And I I don't know. And then there was that conversation with Jaime he had the other day. Lobster had been made out of that. Nobody knows what was said. Now, he had a home run last night. Granted, it was in the eighth inning when they were already getting blown out. Cool. But, yeah. like, now now I'm thinking, I don't know. I guess that's not really a guy that's part of your future. And then I look back, and, again, I'm, this is going to go on ownership and, to a lesser extent, Jaime. And I'll even bring in Dave Dombrowski, who's no longer here. I think their decisions have been bad. And a lot of those bad decisions have really cost this franchise and put them in the situation they are now. You can start with the Chris Sale signing, right? That was a Dave Dombrowski deal, right? Uh, Because they made the mistake. See, you say Dave Dombrowski deal, but I think that Henry put the pressure on for that one because – they felt they made a mistake. With Lester. With Lester. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. So they, yeah. they compounded a mistake with another mistake. Yeah. And then, I, you know, I'll be honest with you. I think they hitched their wagon to the wrong horse. You know, they put themselves in a position where they had to pay Rafael Devers because they let Betts and, and Bogarts go. You know, I mean, Mookie Betts was a generational talent that you had here. On top of that, he was that fun-loving guy that fans could embrace. He could be the face of your franchise. But they let him walk. They ultimately let Bogarts go. And I have nothing against Rafael Devers, but they may have hitched their wagon to the wrong guy, to the wrong horse. You know, say what you want, but, you know, Rafi, he strikes out a lot. His defense at third base is, eh. It's regressed this year. So, Mm -hmm. I mean – 
it, it seems like every decision they've made over the past five, six, seven years now hasn't been good. Where, where before, you know, in the early 2000s, they, they were making all the right decisions. So uh, we were talking about bets last week, and, and I, I said, you know, on the show with Dundero, I said, you know, I don't mind, Scott, if you are ownership and you in, in just that one decision, you look at bets, you look at investing 12 years into a guy, you know, who's in his late 20s, all that jazz. If you look at that and you say as an ownership group, as, as a front office, you say, we don't want, we want to make a call on this. We want to make one single decision and say, we don't want to invest this massive contract into, that, into one player like this. I'm okay if you make a, a call on one player. I disagree with it. Yep. I think you're making the wrong call. But you make a call, I get it, that's fine, okay? The problem was that piece of business signaled a new way of doing business with this franchise. Yep. And I think, as you said, it backed them into the corner with the Devers thing. And I, and I just, that that's my problem with the whole bets decision. And something I didn't say last week that I'll, I'll say now, Scott, if at the time, a few years ago, Red Sox ownership, Red Sox front office, they give Mookie Betts that deal. Say 12 years, $360, $365 million, whatever it was. Are people around here going to be mad, clamoring, hammering them for giving Mookie Betts, a top five player in baseball, a massive contract? No. Then that that's the thing that I can't get over is like, so I think people under, again, I think baseball fans around here are smart. I think they know that if you invest a 12-year deal into a guy in his late 20s, that probably the back end of that deal, Scott, is is not going to be as lucrative or you're not going to get your return on investment like you would the first six years of that deal, right? Like, I, th- I, think, that, I think that's pr- pretty safe to say. But you know what you're going to get out of it? And, and that's I'm speaking numbers-wise with that. You know what you're going to get out of it? with a, a massive contract with a guy like Mookie Betts. As you just said, a generational talent, but for me, it is a face of the franchise, a guy that people still, three years later, when he returns to the, with the Dodgers, people show up to the ballpark still with 50 jerseys, with Red Sox, yeah. 50 jerseys. Yeah. You are getting a guy that every night you go to the ballpark and you say, can't wait to see Mookie Betts play. That's what you're getting. That's what you're investing. And Red Sox ownership didn't want to do that. And I think it's some of it might be with the analytics and whatnot and, okay, you know, is he going to break down mid-30s, whatever. I think that's just overthinking it. Look at, what the, with, look at what the Yankees did with Aaron Judge. You think the Yankees totally 100% wanted to give a massive deal like that to Aaron Judge? Probably not. They had concerns. He has an injury history. Yep. He had trouble staying on the field this year. But I think they understood what Aaron Judge is and means to their franchise. Yep. And that's why they did not hesitate to go out and, well, actually, I, sh- I shouldn't say that because there was some haggling and whatnot back and forth. But Yeah, it did, it did drag a little bit. But ultimately, Joe, the deal got done. They kept him in New York. He's the captain for the next decade. And, look, he, he may not, again, first five years of that deal, I'm sure he'll give a return on investment. The last five years of that deal, maybe there's some, you know, some breakdown, whatnot, but they realize what they have in Judge. Judge last night became the fastest player in MLB history to 250 home runs. Yeah. 
they realize what they have there. Well, again, I think the Yankees looked at it, and they knew there was no way they could not re-sign Aaron Judge. He was the face of the franchise. Yeah. I think the difference with the Red Sox and Mookie Betts, and I thought he was the face of their franchise at the time, too, was they said, eh, we've got three young stars, so we don't have to re-sign all three of them. You know? I thought they would keep two of them. I they ended up keeping one of them because yeah, they right. had no choice. They kept the last one right. you know, that, would, that they had to contractually. So I think that's one of the differences. But Still should have signed them. I, no question. I, but, but my point is what they should have done back then when they were all under contract is say, okay, who really is the face of the franchise? Yeah. Who really is our number one star? Who has the most talent? Who's really going to help this organization the most? And I said it back then because I remember having this conversation with Mike Martin, Brown basketball yeah. coach. He said, of these guys, who's your favorite? And I always said Mookie Betts. I yeah. like Mookie Betts. And he was a Bogarts guy. Yeah. Um, I always thought Betts was the guy. And, you know, they let Betts go, and then they let Bogarts go, and then now they're in a situation where, well, we have to sign uh, Rafael Devers. And, again, not, nothing against Rafi, but when you look at the way he struggles defensively, and he is a, a big swing and miss guy, he's very streaky at the plate, too. You wonder if they didn't hitch their wagon to the wrong uh, horse. we got a texture here, too, I, I guess blaming it on – members of the media like us, he writes, uh, he or she writes, I live halfway between New York and Boston and thus listen to both media. The Boston media has morphed into mostly football people and all they have knowledge of is football. On the New York media side, they talk baseball and that plays out at the box office. So I guess he's blaming the apathy for the Red Sox and maybe the poor attendance at Fenway Park by Red Sox fans on we spend too much time talking football, where in New York they still talk baseball. Texter, blaming the media for the decisions made by a professional sports organization is lazy and dumb. Sorry, Texter, it's dumb. I have no say in what John Henry does and how he runs his business. And, I, and here's where I would disagree with that, Texter, too. It, it, okay, Mets have had an awful year. The Yankees are having a bad year as well, yeah. which they haven't had in many, many years. I guarantee you there's lots of empty seats at those ballparks and probably lots of fans of visiting teams at those ballparks this year right now too. Just like there are at Fenway Park. And don't so and it's a, it's a result of the product on the field. It's not a result of the media talking more baseball in New York as opposed to Boston or vice versa. And of course we talk a lot of football around here because the football organization around here had a 20-year run of winning championship after championship. The baseball organization won four championships in that time period, too. Yeah, well, and, and here's the other part to that, too. Like it or not, nationally, throughout the United States, the NFL is way more popular than Major League Big Baseball time. anyway. Yes. Forget about just here in New England. Yeah. Everywhere it is, yeah. NFL is king. So. And if the texture is insinuating that we don't know our baseball around here, you are dead wrong. Yeah. You are dead wrong. Do you know how much people know their baseball around here? I grew up on it. Scott grew up on it. Yeah. We grew up. 20 years ago, the most popular team in town was the Red Sox. And it wasn't even close. It yep. wasn't close. People know their baseball around here. And just because we're not into the analytics doesn't mean we don't know our baseball. People around here don't love that philosophy because it wasn't that way for a long time. It was it was the stars. It was, you know, it, when you start getting into the, the, the OBPS plus war this that the other thing like you lose me people don't want to hear about that around here they want to hear about who's got the best average who's hitting the home runs who's selling things that the you know the team store who's doing all those like people people use their eyes around here more than they do the analytics and right like if you are an analytics person 
God love you, but, you know, I, I just I can't get too lost. In Let's those. squeeze in one call before we take our first okay. break. It's Dan in Dartmouth wants to talk about the Red Sox. Good morning, Dan. You're first up on Cordishi and Coit on WEEI. Good morning, guys. I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, I, I love the fact that I tuned in. You guys were immediately talking about the Red Sox because, Scott, I think you said the fans are apathetic right now. And I think one of the points that I was going to make was I'm kind of getting the vibe from the team that they are also apathetic. Yep. Uh, I'm not seeing any fight. The The other night I'm watching the Astros game. I'm almost rooting for the benches to clear because I want to see some signs of life, <laughs> but we got nothing. Yeah. And one of the things that you see with the successful teams, like think about the Mariners and the Orioles right now, they're putting these little runs together. Orioles, obviously, a little bit more in control, but they're putting these runs together. And then you go behind, you you peel back the curtain, you look on social media, get behind the scenes to see what those clubhouses seem like they're like. And it reminds me of the 2013 Red Sox. It, yep. it reminds me of the 2018 Red Sox. So it, like when you're winning, it's easy to like each other, and I get that. But at a certain point, if a fan isn't feeling that, we're not going to show up. We're just not. Well, you know what, you know what, Dan, I'll add that, that I think this clubhouse has been plagued by some of the decisions above them. I think they look at it and say, what the heck are we doing here? When this guy shows up, that guy shows up, some guy named Baraclaus throwing however many innings, like there's just so many guys Mm -hmm. in and out. You don't have a chance to build a team because there's just, there's so many names and faces that you just don't know. You feel like you're going to the first day of school sometimes every day. Mm-hmm. Happened happened again last night too. And yeah. yep. just as as a quick final final thought, the uh, beginning of twenty twenty two, as we knew, Xander Bar- Bogarts at the end of the year would be a free agent, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. The Cardinals needed a shortstop, and the Cardinals had young infielders, young ish bullpen arms the cardinals were the trade suitor for xander bogarts at the beginning of that season and if they truly like you you look back at the mookie deal and you wonder okay well why why couldn't we have done something similar for xander like if if i got colton wong and alex verdugo for xander xander bogarts i'd be i'd be okay with that at this point with the way he's played this year well you know what we got those guys with another package for mookie bats like I, i just you, you go back to the – if you're going to let somebody walk, they, they seem like they see the future. They they want to make it – they want to make all of us feel like they see the future and make us feel better about the decisions they're making in the short term. Well, why couldn't they have seen the future then? Like what, there, there's, there's plenty of these kind of contradictory moments where it's like yep. trust the process, trust the process. But then this is what our, our product is. Right. Dan, thanks for the phone call this morning. Appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, Dan and Dartmouth. Appreciate the phone call. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I, the Cardinals' point was a good one. I can't remember the name of the um, the second baseman, whoever the prospect was, but it seemed like a no-brainer. And that, again, Scott, to me, was an instance of the Red Sox were trying to sell us something, and we're like, we're smarter than that. We know what you're doing. They tr- signed Trevor Story in the offseason. And they try to sell to us that, no, 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 we might still sign. We might keep both of them. No, you're not. 
We knew it. We knew it when they the moment they signed Story, right. they were signing Bogart's replacement. Right. So don't try to sell us. Say, you know what? Go out there, be transparent, and then go out and make a deal and get something for him instead of sitting on your hands and letting them walk. And that's what they did. 401-777-1037, the phone number if you'd like to join us this morning. That's 401-777-1037. You can reach us on the text line as well. That number is 37937. Quick break to take. We'll update you on what's happening in the world of sports with our flash, and then we're back with more. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.